Thanks for joining me today. This is Redemptive Revolution, restoring hope to the formerly incarcerated. I'm Nick Arnold. There are many things that nonprofits do to aid in reducing recidivism, but to have a greater impact, the government needs to address some of the more systemic problems. One of the best ways to reduce recidivism is to make people leaving prison more employable. The state of Michigan has one of the lowest recidivism rates in the country, in part because of their innovative approach of offering job and life skills to former inmates. My guest today is Chris Gouts, the Public Information Officer with the Michigan Department of Corrections. Chris, it's great to have you on the show. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. So can you give me kind of an overview of how many inmates the Michigan Department of Corrections manages? Sure. So in Michigan, we supervise about 1% of the state's population, which is about 100,000 individuals. Uh, That includes um, just under 41,000 of those who are in prison. Uh, Then we also supervise about 45,000 individuals who are on probation, um, and then another 15,000, roughly uh, 15 or 16,000 that are on parole. So just over 100,000 total. Great. So it's been reported that Michigan has one of the lowest recidivism rates in the country, and recently you guys have seen a substantial drop. Uh, What's your current rate, and how does that compare to the rest of the country? Yeah, well, uh, thanks thanks for noticing that. Yeah, we're we're very we're very proud of that. But obviously, uh, there's more work to do. You're never going to be happy until it's you know down down to nothing. But but, uh, we are currently at 29.8 percent. Um, and that puts uh, us at our second lowest rate since the state began recording uh, recidivism as a three-year reincarceration uh, rate. Um, uh, so that that so we're very happy uh, about that. And so um, in the last year uh, or so, we were at 31%. And back in 1998, when we started counting it uh, this way, uh, the rate was at 45.7. So wow. we've come down. We've come down quite a bit, and actually, um, there there are a number of ways um, that that states and the fed, federal government can use to sort of make their recidivism rate look better, um, and and whether or not I don't know, regardless of what the motive was uh, in years past, prior to 1998, um, Michigan and I'm sure many other states um, counted counted it in a way that made the rate look better than it probably really was. Mm. So we're not able to say that this is our second lowest rate in state history because. Prior to 1998, we were reporting rates that were lower, okay. uh, but, but, they, but they, they weren't a true accounting. And so um, since 98, we've counted it the, the toughest and most accurate way possible. So it's to make it harder for us. Uh, so, but, but despite that, our number is still going down. So we're very proud of that of that effort that we're, we're showing it in the truest way possible, and it's, and it's continuing to drop. So we're, we're very proud of that. Well, that's really exciting to hear. Um, there's obviously a, a social benefit to having a lower recidivism rate, but let's talk financially. Uh, what is that rate doing for uh, saving Michigan residents money? Sure. So um, in, in Michigan, it costs about $35,000 a year to house uh, a prisoner um, in one of our prisons. And so obviously right there, um, you know, it, that that starts to add up to, to real money pretty fast uh, once you uh, once you uh, have you know a couple hundred or a couple thousand you know people that, that are coming in or are coming out. Um, 
but but it, it saves real money um, as we've seen over the past few years. You know, back in the 80s and 90s when the get tough on crime laws and the drug laws were really filling up prisons across the country, uh, Michigan was in that same uh, in that same situation. Where back in 1989, uh, we were adding a new prison to Michigan every nine weeks. Wow. Uh, and back then, our prison population was only thirty-one thousand. Um, we're just over, uh, just under forty-one thousand now. So, and we didn't. We had our peak in two thousand and seven when we had about fifty-one thousand prisoners. And so, so in, in a in a decade, uh, we've dropped by ten thousand prisoners over ten years. And in that same time, we've closed seventeen prisons or prison camps around the state. Um, so we, we've been able to reduce the population, close down prisons. Um, and it continuing to, to, to shrink our population. And while at the same time, we're very proud that our recidivism rate is going down. So more people are being let out and fewer people are coming back. So that is a, a definite win-win. Um, but in terms of your savings question, um, had our population remained the same as it was 10 years ago, um, our budget would be at least a quarter of a billion dollars higher than it is now. So That's a lot of that, money. <laughs> That you know, 250 million dollars, you know, that can now be channeled into other areas in the state, whether it's early education funding or infrastructure or, or education. So that there's a number of things that, that can be done with that money, and some of it obviously was reinvested uh, uh, in our department. But uh, we're very, very happy to see less money having to be spent on corrections uh, and, and can be spent in other parts of the state. I'm also interested, too, to know if you've been able to move some of your higher-risk uh, security inmates into the general population, if you've, if you've seen that trend uh, within the prisons. Um, obviously, that's always the goal because the, the higher security level, um, one, obviously, because they're, they're more dangerous, and that puts our staff at risk, uh, but it's also more expensive to house a higher right. security prisoners. And so that's definitely a key. Uh, Michigan has been a, a real leader in segregation reform and, and incentivizing prisoners to uh, leave segregation uh, to, to to change their behavior, to get them to act uh, correctly and professionally and courteously. Um, and then as they do that, they get more incentives and then they, they see that benefit and then um, it encourages them to be removed from, from SEG and then they can drop down those security levels um, because two, um, it doesn't help our recidivism rate at all if we're having people in high uh, high security levels and then they drop uh, right uh, or they, they parole or they max out and then they've been sent out because a lot of our education programs and a lot of our, our reentry type programs uh, to learn learn a skill or to, to get an education only uh, are available at the lowest security level uh, facilities. And so if you are a level four or a level five prisoner, which a level five is our highest in Michigan, you're not really going to have access to any of those kind of programs that, that can help make you a better citizen with a better chance of success on the outside. And so definitely the, the goal is to work down to those levels so that you can have access to those programs. Great. So you guys must be doing something right over there. Uh, tell me about some of these reforms that you guys have been put in the place in the last 10 years. Um, well, especially in the last couple of years with our with our new director, uh, Heidi Washington, um, she's really implemented a program that we call Offender Success. And and basically it's, it's a, a vision that, uh, that every offender that's released from prison is going to have the tools needed to succeed in the community. And, and have the opportunity to utilize those tools to be, you know, self-sufficient citizens. And so, you know, 
uh, we don't like re- repeat customers or, or one, or we're not a business, but, um, you know, most businesses like repeat customers. Right. We don't, we don't want to see you again. Right. You know, as, as nice as you might be, uh, we don't want to see you again. So, um, our goal is to take some, take an individual in and return them back to the community better than which they came to us. Um, and for us, really education is the key to that. So we offer, uh, you, you can't be paroled in the state of Michigan without receiving your GED. If you can already have a, a diploma or a GED, when you oh, came great. to us. Um, so they're getting that base level of education, but just like, um, you wouldn't tell your children nowadays that, uh, once you go get your GED or get your high school diploma, you're set, you can go out and conquer the world and get a great job and, and live in a great house with your high school diploma. Those days really aren't there, uh, like they were in the, maybe in the fifties or in the sixties with the high school diploma cut it. So for the same reason uh, that we would tell our kids that, we're also telling our, our prisoners that. Um, and so we offer a number of college courses um, so they, they can get an associate's degree or in some cases a bachelor's degree. Um, and then, you know, they can take those credits and apply those to a four-year or two-year institution once they're paroled. Um, the Obama administration in, in its last year also awarded Michigan um, uh, about 1,500 Pell Grants, which I think was the second most in the country uh, last year. And so now we have prisoners starting up right now um, in prisons across the state <clears throat> taking uh, college courses uh, with, the, with the goal of getting an associate's degree. So uh, education is really the key. So we're really excited about, about that. But there's a number of other things, you know, that we're doing. <clears throat> We've really retooled our reentry uh, programs and, and just the whole idea of reentry. And so that now your first day of prison is your first day of reentry in the state mm, of Michigan. So that's great. you're going to, you're going to meet with a parole board member that first week that you're that you've become a prisoner, and they're going to sit with you and they're going to say, "Okay, you're here. Uh, you're in for this crime. You're in for say five to ten years. Um, these are the things that we recommend. These are the programs that we recommend you take. You need to get your GED. You need to take these two or three programs. That we'd like you to have a couple. We'd like you to have a good job skill, uh, and, and and do this, this, and this. And if you we come back to you in five years at your earliest release date, uh, and we sit down with you, and you've met all of these uh, items that we've told you to do, and you've kept your nose clean, you haven't gotten any fights or drugs or misconducts tickets while you're in there, you have a very good likelihood of being paroled. And so it gives them right at the outset a, a goal to achieve, and they know exactly what's what's expected of them. It's not going to be a surprise when they meet that parole board member, you know, at their earliest early, earliest possible date. So we found that that really helps, and, and, you know, that's been in the last year or two that that's really kicked off, and we're starting to see some of those dividends, but that's going to be a longer-term uh, goal as well. It sounds like uh, the key there is is making the communication between the inmates and and the staff and the parole board uh, just very more clearly defined, and and uh, and that's helping the inmates probably know exactly what they need to do. That's great. Yeah, yeah. It, obviously, communication is the key. We don't want somebody to be surprised uh, when they get there and say, "Oh, well, you know, we we would love to have paroled you, but you needed to." complete this program and then mm. the prisoners say, well, I, I didn't know I needed to do that. Um, you know, everything is, they, they should know exactly uh, what's expected of them um, because, uh, you know, I think there's been there's studies that show that, uh, you know, if somebody's in for three years versus four years, does that make them more likely to be a better criminal or, or, mm. or have a higher or, or less likely of recidivism rate, you know, that one year probably on either side isn't going to make all that much of a difference. So are they sitting there doing dead time or are they taking that time, that, that, uh, that amount of time and, and becoming a better citizen, becoming a more educated, learning a job skill. Um, and we think that that's the best use of their time. 
Definitely. So I've heard about a place called the Vocational Village. Can you tell me what that is? Sure. We're, we're very proud of the Vocational Village. This is a program that uh, the department started up uh, about a year or so ago now. And it's at one of our prisons um, in Ionia, Michigan. And um, uh, it's a facility where obviously a lot of prisons um, have teach vocational uh, programs. And here at the village, um, they, there are six trades that they can learn, which uh, include carpentry, uh, automotive technology, plumbing, electrical, CNC machining, and welding. Mm. Uh, and But what makes it truly unique and, and the first of its kind in the country is that the prisoners that are selected uh, for this program from around the state have to uh, apply. They have to have be ticket-free for, for, for so long. They have to be within two years of their earliest release date. Um, and then they have to write an essay about what this means to them, what it could mean to them, how it would change their life if they were to get into it. And then we send them there. And then they all, and then the village concept kicks in, they all live together in the same housing unit. Mm. And so they're not subject to the same um, uh, issues that can come up in, in any prison. If you've ever seen MSNBC in the weekends, you know, you right, can right. see what can happen inside a prison. Um, all the all the things that they can distract you and, and, and not keep you focused on your goals. So these guys are surrounded by only like-minded individuals who really want to change themselves. And so they, they mimic a full work day. They work eight hours a day in the classroom and then on the shop floor. Then they go back to their, to their housing unit and they're surrounded by other individuals who are in the same program and they go back and they do homework together. They have study groups mm. uh, in their unit and they don't have to ever see or interact with any other member of the prison population. There's other prisoners that are there on that, in that facility um, that may not have the same goals or might be in for life or, or may have 20 more years to do. And, and they're looking to get into trouble or looking to gamble or do, or do drugs or, or what have you. They don't have to ever interact with those. They can stay complete to themselves. Uh, and then they're also housed with some college students that are also uh, at that prison. So it's a really, really great learning environment. Um, and the, the, there's the job aspect of it really kicks in too, is that we don't just um, get them a skill and then say, okay, you know, good luck. Good, nice. It was great. Great seeing you. Right. Um, um, we have a full-time employment counselor uh, there on staff who creates resumes for them, uh, puts them on the state website, uh, and then we also bring in employers all the time. We have employer events a couple times a year where we bring in uh, hundreds of business leaders to tour the to tour the village, see the machinery that they're working on. They they see that this is a uh, exactly what it is that it's the same kind of machines that they have on their shop floors back in their in their factories. And then they get to meet the prisoners and start establishing relationships with them. Um, they can even do job interviews on site with them, or they can do over you know, through video conferencing. And the whole goal is that before the prisoner paroles and walks out walks out of the prison, hopefully for the last time, they already have a job in hand. And so that's the real goal. I think what really sets it apart is that we make sure we, um, before they even come to us, we look at what county they're coming from, and then we pair that with some of the state economic development agencies that we have that can tell us, um, okay, you're coming from Lenawee County. And in Lenawee County, the, the five hottest uh, in-demand jobs are for CNC machining and plumbing and carpentry. Mm. And so if the prisoner comes and says, hey, I'd like to learn how to do electrical, you know, we're going to look at that and say, well, um, that's really not the best fit for you because we've looked and there's really no job openings in, in, in electrical in your county. So it really wouldn't make sense for you to learn that skill and send you back home and you not be able to find a job. But look, mm -hmm. C 
CNC machining is really hot right now, and there's a ton of employers that really need CNC machinists. So uh, let's put you in that if you can do it, and then and then they get into it, and then and then 90 days out from their earliest release date. The, the, the warden, the deputies, and, and the employment counselor and a bunch of other staff get together with a spreadsheet of all of the prisoners that are 90 days out from release, and we start calling uh, business owners and saying, hey, we've got this guy. He's got a, a, you know six uh, certifications, national certifications in CNC machining or what have you. Um, would you like to interview him? You know, he's mm-hmm. he's going to get out in September. Um, you know, he could be ready. He could walk out up here on a, on a Friday and start with you on Monday. Wow. Um, and, and so that's that's the true goal uh, of the program. And we've had, we it's been going on for about a year now. It takes a while to get through the program, but we've had several dozen uh, prisoners already um, that have uh, been awarded jobs. Um, and then before they've left, they've gone out and they've, they've done really well. And in fact, we're having an event uh, in May where we're hoping to bring some of those prisoner or parolees, I should say, um, that are currently working. And then to have them come back and speak to the prisoners there along with a bunch of business owners. And so they can really see and say, look, this is real. You know, I'm, I'm working. I'm making $20 an hour. Uh, you know, I've got my I've got a house now. I've got a car. Mm. Uh, things are great for me. And that will just further, I think incentivize the prisoners that are still there to say, wow, if he did it, I can do it. And, uh, and then on top of that, we're bringing in business owners all the time and getting more and more businesses interested in the idea of hiring felons. Cause that can be the biggest roadblock. You know, we can give them all these skills, but if you don't have businesses willing to take a chance, um, you know, they're not going to have any place to work. And that can be a real scarlet letter. Um, when you don't have, when you have to check that box that says, you right. know, yes, I'm convicted of a felony. And so we're working on a, case-by-case basis, and, and it just takes time to bring those businesses through, and they see the benefit of it, um, and, and then they become our biggest cheerleaders when they're out at, you know, Chamber of Commerce events or just talking with their peers and say, yeah, you should go see this place. You should go try it out. You know, we've had really great success, and, and we've had some, we've had one business, one auto supplier in Detroit who came in and, uh, and, and wanted to hire some of our guys, and they wanted to try, I think, five or six guys, and they came back the next week and said, how soon can you give me 10 more? And then, <laughs> you know, we get 10 more and then they said, we need to hire like 20 or 40 of them. You know, wow. You know, let's do it because uh, they're, they're very, they're highly motivated individuals because they know that they really only have probably one shot at getting a chance, you know, even getting a chance at a, at a job is, is something. So as soon as they get that, um, the employers have reported back to us that those parolees are, um, more motivated, and they're, they they produce more than just a traditional hire off the street because they they want to do the best possible job they can because they want to keep that job and, and prove that they you know, they were worthy of getting that chance. So it's provided some great successes so far. I love that. That's so exciting. Uh, is that a, a program that you think you guys will be moving around to other prisons in the state? Yeah, actually, the the legislature was so impressed with just the initial uh, start of, of the program that they gave us two million dollars uh, in the in the current year budget that we're in, and so we've uh, established a second site in Jackson, Michigan, which is hopefully going to help serve more of the the southeast side of the state, you know, in Detroit and then the metro counties there, where a lot of our population comes from, um, and so we're going to hope that should be up and running. Uh, the spring or early summer, uh, we're going to have some of the same courses that we have at at the 
first vocational village in Ionia, but we're also going to be adding a masonry program and a robotics program and, and a couple of others uh, that we've, as we've talked to business leaders and some of the uh, economic uh, agencies uh, to figure out what more the in-demand in uh, skills are so that we can adapt and, and shut down a course or add a new course as we learn what, what skills uh, are most needed in, in the job and the business community. Well, that's just very, very exciting to hear. Um, I'd love to see some of these reforms come to other states. Are you guys uh, talking with other states and helping them uh, institute some of these reforms? We routinely hear from other states that, that are interested in the village um, or some of the other things that we're doing, uh, like segregation reform. We, we get requests all the time. Um, uh, from other states wanting to implement our segregation program. We've brought a number of states through um, our vocational village. Um, our director uh, is very engaged at the, at the national level in a number of, of uh, groups like ASCA and NACA that, that, that um, look at corrections issues on a nationwide basis. And she often speaks about uh, the village and offender success anywhere she goes. Um, it really spreads the word. And, and so that's been a real help. And so, and obviously we, 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 we take uh, or borrow ideas from other states uh, in other areas, but uh, those two have been probably the, the most that, that we've been able to export uh, out to, uh, to other parts of the country. That's so great. Well, I'm very excited about what you guys are doing, and I appreciate you guys working so hard to, to try and uh, reduce recidivism and, and give opportunities to, to inmates. That's just very exciting. Chris, thank you so much for being on the show today. I appreciate the time. No problem. Yeah, thank you for having me. That was Chris Scouts with the Michigan Department of Corrections. You can learn more about the programs they're implementing at michigan.gov forward slash corrections. Also, check out the Vocational Village at michigan.gov forward slash VOC Village. I'd like to hear from you as well. You can connect with me on Facebook or Twitter. Just search for Redemptive Revolution. There are also lots of great resources at our website, redemptiverevolution.com. Check it out. And if you're a brother or sister rebuilding your life after incarceration, we would love to hear your story. You might even get profiled on the show. Until next time, my name is Nick Arnold, and this is Redemptive Revolution.